Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart.
That we will not abandon you, God. That we will stand strong in you, not against people or a country, but against these principalities and these powers, this wickedness in high places. We, come on, let's come against what the enemy would seek to do in destroying us. And let's be reminded right now that Jesus lives. Come on, you can do a whole lot better than that. You can do a whole lot better than that. We praise you, God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, God. You are sovereign, God. We, as a church, we do not demand our will, but we seek and petition your will to be done in this body, God. I want you to look at somebody say amen, and then I want you to be seated this morning. Thank you, praise team. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I'm not going to embrace you guys today because I have a little cold. And I don't want you to get my. That's why I'm not emotional right now. I'm crying because I got a cold. Y'all, silly people, you just think, you know, I'm upset. The time to gain and the time to lose. The time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to terror and a time to sow, a time to, time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. You know, if we look at this Ecclesiastes chapter 3 here, we notice that God talks about through his writer uh, 28 different seasons. Not 27, not 29, but 28 different seasons. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but there, there's not a season mentioned in here about quitting. There's not a season in here about running away. There's not a season in here about remaining bitter. There's not a season mentioned in here about trying to do things your way. None of that's in here. It's just 28 seasons that God has given us to understand fully where we are. I don't really have a sermon for you today. I have a few thoughts I'd like to share with you. God, will you just keep us on our face? God, will you keep us tuned in to your kingdom? God, will you keep us tuned out to the devastation of this world, God? Not for us not to help, but help us to stay tuned into your spirit so that the fallen world around us does not become part of us. That we are not of this world, that we are simply passing through a season, a season of what we call mortality, but actually it's just part of our eternity. You know, I was asked years ago, and I've been asked this many times, uh, Court, if there's no grief or tears in heaven, then how do people feel when, you know, there's, there's a loved one that they don't, they don't see? 
How, how, do they, how do they deal with this? Well, I don't have a correct answer on this because the Bible does not talk about that. But my uh, opinion is that God is way much bigger than grief here on earth. And he's way much bigger than grief in heaven. And that because he's sovereign here on earth, he must be sovereign in heaven. And if he's sovereign in heaven, that must be that must mean he's going to be sovereign through the thousand-year millennial reign here on earth. And he's also going to be sovereign when that ends and we actually all are in the official heaven. We, you know, we got a ways to go before we get to the official heaven that God has in store for us. I don't know if you knew that or not. You're not in the final heaven when you die. You're in a place that has the fragrance of heaven and looks like heaven and has some attributes of heaven because God is there. But it's not the actual place that God has for us that we're going to be for all eternity. Jeremiah chapter 8. The prophet Jeremiah is grieving for his people. And he says in verse 18, my joy is gone, my grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold, the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and the breath of the Lord is the Lord not in Zion. Is her king not here? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images with their foreign idols. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. Let me read that again. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is in my heart wounded. I mourn and, and, and dismay has taken hold of me. Mourning and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? You got to love the prophet Jeremiah because he just preached and did not care what anybody thought of him. Amen. He just preached the word of God out of emotion and rawness and he did not care what people said about him. You know, my goal for this church, my personal goal, and I pray that it's God's. I believe it is. I just prayed about it a few minutes ago. Is that we would be so inundated with the burden for the lost that we would no longer have time in our ridiculous man-made schedules to be concerned and worried about what everybody else thinks. That there's no longer time in our schedule to be concerned about the critiques and the angles and the attitudes that the spiritual realm, the demonic realm, uses people to go. You better be testing the spirits around you to make sure that they are from God. You better be testing the things that are going in your life, in your ears, in your eyes, through your hands, through your feet. You gotta be aware, not self-aware, but God aware, Holy Ghost aware of what you are putting in your life. We cannot give up our burden. Jeremiah did not give up his burden. Jeremiah stayed burdened his entire life until it ended. The burden should not be lifted from us because our kids get saved. The burden should not be lifted from this church when we see salvations in the altar. And I'm so glad to see a full house of people here today. I'm so glad to have people here today that are serious about going deeper with God. Because if you're not serious about going deeper with God, you're simply going to be a person of platitudes. 
person that talks nice and is kind, but really has nothing to add in helping other people. If that makes you feel bad, take on that conviction right now and start allowing God to change you. God is going to sanctify this church completely. He's going to sanctify this pulpit completely. And we're going to see the absolute best days since, and I, I don't know if y'all know this, and the date may be wrong, but I, I, we need to start planning a party. I need y'all to prepare for uh, 2029. Raise your hand if you can serve at the dinner in 2029. <laughs> Thank you. There'll be a sign-up sheet in the back. Please don't make the green beans too early. Amen. <laughs> Wait until a year out or something. But on 2029, we will be celebrating 100 years of Destiny House. 100 years. Now, I know some of you see the date on the front, and it says 1977, which was my birth date. This church was built because of me. Oh, Corbett was born. Let's start building. Let's start building the church, right? <laughs> Joke just turned into a reality. Not about me. But you know, God has our days ordained. God has our days ordained for, for days and for seasons, for years and for months. For certain reasons, for certain times, for certain for, for a buildup to occur, for a revelation to come, for a, a battle and a war to occur. But on the other side of the battle and the war comes a victory. Some of you that have been addicted to things in your life, that have struggled with drugs and alcohol and sex addiction and pornography and whatever is on the list that's represented in this body, you know right now sitting there that you're not a victor because of you, you're a victor because of what Jesus has cleaned up in you and on the outside of you. Amen. You can give a big hand for that. Isn't it amazing that if you take a, 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 a kernel of corn, popcorn, we actually buy some really expensive popcorn around here, here because the youth want a certain kind, and that's fine. We'll pay for it. Comes with all the ingredients and the butter and the and all. I don't even know why, I buy, but I do because we love our DH students. Amen. I do think some adults are using the popcorn downstairs as well, but that's okay. We'll buy more. Yeah, we buy more. Yeah. Man. But if you take that kernel, now I don't know if you guys know this, but inside that kernel is a microscopic speck of water. And when you put those kernels, the, that popcorn in the microwave, what happens? The, the inside of that water begins to heat, it becomes steam, and then boom, you take it out and you have an absolutely new product that didn't look the same when it came out of the microwave as it did when it got put in. And it's amazing to me how we as Christians, knowing what we know about the Word of God, we still forget this simple fact that if you want significant change in your life, it has to start with an implosion on the inside. It has to start not with religion imploding in you because that won't work. It can't be about being married to somebody that knows Jesus. It can't be about your kids or your grandkids doing well in school and in sports and in life. That doesn't cause an implosion. It may cause you spurts of happiness, but those things never provide a full amount of what is called joy. Joy is only obtained through the kingdom of God. Joy is only obtained with, through what Jesus 
is doing this week leading up to his death and his resurrection. That kernel is just significant to me because I don't know if y'all noticed that, but any kind of popcorn you buy, whether it's the cheap kind or the expensive kind, when you look in that bag, whether you do it on the stove or the microwave, there's always going to be some kernels that didn't make it. There's always going to be some kernels there that never imploded by the work of God on the inside of them. They went in the same, and they came out the same. I wonder how many of you, the Bible talks about trampling in God's temple. I wonder how many of us today came in for the right reason to seek the presence of God. If you did, you're going to leave here changed and better in Christ than when you came in. Now, if you came in here with the intent of getting your boxes checked, went to church on Sunday, feel pretty good about that. Did a little worship, listened to a sermon I didn't like. Not excited about that. But if you came in with an expectation of what God wants to do in your life, God loves to meet our expectations. Just like a good father loves to meet the expectations of his children. He wants to meet them where they are, when they're depressed, when they're down, when they're inflicted with fear. He wants to meet the gossip where they are, and the slander where they are, and the prostitute where they are, and the murder where they are. Because God knows when that person is ready and says yes to him, he makes all things new. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you've got a father that will never run out to get a pack of smokes and not come back? First of all, he doesn't smoke. Secondly, he doesn't need a car. And thirdly, he never would have left in the first place. Our father does not abandon us. Our father is a father that stays with his kids. I just wish that more of his kids would stay with him. Did you guys know that? Just a few thoughts this morning. Did you guys know that clinically, psychologically, before the 32nd mark, if you think on a topic, if you have a thought about something, for the first 30 seconds, it's just a thought. Doesn't go anywhere, doesn't amount to anything, but after 30 seconds, it turns into a feeling. And when it turns into feeling, not only do you now have to contend with the original thought, but now you have to contend with the feelings around that. Let me give you an example. If somebody says something negative about you and, and hurts your integrity, hurts your name, attacks your character, your reputation, if you take more than 30 seconds to dwell on that, it's going to turn into a feeling. And most of the time, that feeling comes in the direction of anxiety and depression. You're listening? Just nod your heads. That's good. Amen. Look like, now we're looking like a Methodist church now. Mm. When you let it go past 30 seconds and you refuse to give that issue to God, it now has manifested into a feeling and possibly a deeper feeling than you're willing to contend with. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, 8 through 9, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, lovely, of good report, of good virtue, of anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Why does the Lord tell us that through the Apostle Paul? 
Because he knows in our fallen nature. Remember, you are not, you, this has nothing to do with mother nature, okay? Y'all need to start rebuking mother nature, okay? Mother nature is, is ridiculous. It's not biblical. Oh, pastor, you know, it, it, it rained yesterday and stormed yesterday because this moon lined up with this planet. And, and the unicorn lined up with a donkey. And then the unicorn and the donkey had babies together. And that's why a tree fell down in my yard. <laughs> now, I, want, I don't know. I've totally made all that up just now. But isn't that the way people think, though? In this very new age world, people think, hey... Let's just think about this a moment. When God, I, I, I've seen church signs that say, open your mind. Please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. The Bible says to have the mind of Christ, not to open your mind to the world. When you open your mind to the world, which includes Christian authors. Christian authors that have their ideals of what the Word says, but then, and it was fine if they just kept it with what the Word says, but when they start putting in and creating their theology, now you have fallen into a trap of believing something that's not even actually supported in the Word of God. Our best days are absolutely in front of us. If we learn to think like Jesus thought. What did Jesus think about? He thought about the widows. He thought about the orphans. He thought about the hungry. He thought about the diseased. He thought about the prostitutes. He thought about all of those people in need. He thought about all of us. People that need the fullness of God. Not a portion of religion. You know that religion's gonna gonna send people to hell? Did you know religion has already sent millions, possibly billions of people to hell? Did you know that that it is a narrow road that leads to eternity with Christ? That it's a broad road that leads down to a pit called hell? Did you know that the Bible says that, that many will be on that broad road and that only a few will travel the narrow path that leads to Christ. I want you to have a burden when you leave here today, an ownership. Did you know that your past does not have ownership of you? Did you know that? I thought you'd like that because it's true. When you come before the throne of God and you say, God, forgive me. He says, done. Amen. He doesn't say, explain it more. He doesn't say, give me the full story. He doesn't say, I need you to type up an essay, send me an email, tell me how this played out so I can figure out if I want to forgive you or not and believe you. No, he just says, thanks, kid. You're clean. You're clean because I'm clean. And I've got the power to sprinkle my blood on you once again, and you be clean in this very, very instant. Yeah. Let me tell you something you may not know. Did you know you can be an alcoholic right now and be clean in the Lord? Amen. Oh, Amen. Well, Pastor, don't say that. Don't, 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 don't say that. You're going to give people an excuse to keep getting drunk. No, what I'm saying is God loves you right where you are, yeah. but out of the Father's love, He refuses to allow you to stay there. Amen. To stay there, right? All right. Did you know your brain is wired to your feet? I know this is deep stuff, right, y'all? This is y'all are gonna leave here, and I'm gonna be like, man, that was so profound. I did not know that my brain controlled my feet. I want to give you an example. We read the story many of you know, a story that was told to us as, as 
as a kid. Well, I didn't know the story as a kid, but um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. But if you did grow up in a Christian family, you you uh, have heard the story of Jericho, and you've heard the story about the walls coming down. And I won't get into the full story and, and um, take up time doing that, but what I want to say is if we total everything out, and I, I, I stole this from a preacher the other day, and I thought, man, I, I love this, but I, but I, I want to I expand on this, on this thought. So for a total of seven days, <coughs> the people of Israel walked, marched around city of Jericho, right? And on the seventh day, you know, I'm, still, I'm skipping a lot of details here, y'all know that, but on the seventh day, um, the shofar was, was blown, and as the shofar was being blown, immediately the children of Israel began to shout. So keep in mind, these, they're, 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 they're walking for Essentially seven days. On the seventh day, not only are they walking, but now they get to the point where the horn of the lamb goes off and the, the, the covenant is reminded, the people are reminded of God's covenant with them for his people. And they shout. And the walls come down. Nowadays... The church wants to shout for seven days and walk one day. They want to shout for seven days the declarations and the decrees that they have made up. But they don't want to walk and do the work. How many of you know that your shout means nothing if it's not supported with your walk? Amen. That's a good thought, isn't it? Your shout means nothing if it is not backed up with your fruit. You can say whatever you want about yourself and your beliefs and your friends and your pastor and your church and your boss and the line goes on. But if that is not supported with your walk, your witness, your talking means nothing. Amen. Amen. Satan actually could show up right now today. Now we know that Satan is uh, not omnipresent. So this is why we are dealing with demonic activity, of course, because he has uh, his, his uh, army with different ranks and different names that want to come in and they want to divide, they want to cause discord, they want to do all these things, and, and they, they love the passivity of Christians. Demons love when Christians want to ride the fence. Demons love when Christians want to, want to not take a stand. They, he loves it when Christians say, oh, I'm going to take a stand, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there, but then we don't show up. Satan could show up right now, and he could quote the entire Bible to you, line by line. But does that mean he's going to go to heaven one day? No, we know that he's going to go to hell. We know that he's going to be chained in the lake of fire with torment. What's my point here? Well, there's multiple points, but let me give you the, the best one. Thanks for asking. I'm always sure one day. Y'all give me, give me some more time. <laughs> God wants us to be real. He wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be open about our faults and our failures, our stumblings. He wants us to be prominent about being the least of these instead of trying to be the most of these. Don't you think God is pleased with a church and a, and a, and a pastor that is, is seeking his kingdom and not their own? Don't you think that God is fed up with 
the American way, the American dream, or as I like to call it, the American nightmare? Don't you think God values your integrity over quoting scripture? Don't you think God values you being kind to your neighbor instead of praying in tongues? Don't you think that God has a higher value on love than he does prophecy and all the other things that are listed in Corinthians? Don't you think that God places a high value on you as a person going through the struggle and him going through it with you instead of just always pulling you out of the problem which teaches you nothing? Or are you a person in this room today that believes that God doesn't use life to teach us. If you're a person that believes that God does not send people to difficult places and difficult situations, then you don't believe in the work of spreading the gospel. Because every single missionary on the face of the planet well, most of them, we're getting there to this point. But almost every single missionary on the face of the planet, whether they're coming from the Assemblies of God or the Methodist Church or the Baptist Church or whatever church, they are in danger of being killed for their faith. Well, there are some believers right now that believe that God does not send people to harsh places, well, I beg to differ. God sends people all the time to harsh places, and sometimes he allows them to be killed for the sake of the gospel. If you don't know that that is a factual statement that I just said, then that means that you don't know the word. When you don't know the word, you don't understand promises of God. Period. I want to read to you guys real quickly and then I'm going to tie up the horse, land the plane, dock the boat, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Many years ago, some of you older folks will remember this. Um, there was a movie that came out by David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson passed away in 2011 at 79 years old in a, in a car wreck. David Wilkerson, a powerful, powerful man of God. It was a huge loss. It still is a huge loss uh, when he passed away because he was pure gospel. He was pure abandonment to Jesus. It was all about carrying the burden and living in the burden to see people saved for him and his wife. And he wrote a couple things I want to read to you that came out of this movie and some other quotes that he had through the years and sermons, but I'm just going to read you just very quickly too. He said, when you win over people, excuse me, he says, you win over people just like you win over a dog. You see a dog passing down the street with an old bone in his mouth. You don't grab the bone from him and tell him it's not good for him. He'll growl at you. It's the only thing he has. But you throw a big fat lamb chop in front of him and he's going to drop that bone and pick up the lamb chop. His tail wagging to beat the band, and you've got a friend. Instead of going around grabbing bones from people, I'm going to throw them some lamb chops, something with real meat and life in it. I'm going to tell them about new beginnings. In this movie, Nikki Cruz, the gang member, and once again, this is a part of what happened in David's life, David Wilkerson's life. Um, so Nikki Cruz says, you come near me and I will kill you. This actually happened. And David Wilkerson said, 
You could do that. You could cut me into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street. And every piece will still love you. That's how we need to love people. We need to be reminded today that our best days are ahead of us because we are not going to be mired by our enemies. But we take up a covenant and arms of warfare with the God of angel armies on our side. Not just on our side, but, but, but leading us. For any of you that ever were ever bullied as a kid, and your dad goes with you and stands behind you for you to face the bully, the bully's no longer there anymore because the father was there. Didn't have to say a word, the father was there to back up his son. Don't you know that Satan is merely a bully? He's a tiny, wrinkled, little old man with a cane, a walker, a wheelchair, whatever picture you want to have. He's not full of muscle and grit and power. He's full of deceit and lies and confusion and heartache. He wants you to go through heartache so that you concentrate and you think on your heartache instead of thinking about the son that allowed humanity to break his heart for us to live our better days. Worship team, we come. Deuteronomy chapter 32, 36 says this. I want you to leave with the scripture in your spirit today. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Notice that he says that God vindicates the righteous people. Another version is he vindicates the righteous, but he does not vindicate the religious. God does not vindicate religion. He vindicates those who have a right relationship with him. I want you all to stand with me for a few minutes. actually had no uh, energy. Um, this is not a pity party thing. Just letting you guys know, I on, on Wednesday night I was, I was just I began to get really sick, and I left prayer and um, went into this really horrendous fever on a Wednesday night. And you know how you feel when you have a high fever. Your body aches and you're you're cold, you're hot, you're sweating, you're. Just, just going through a bunch of crazy stuff. And, and while I'm in this fever on a Wednesday night, I, uh, I know this was a physical fever, and it was a physical issue. I'm still struggling right now, and I um, was struggling very much before I came out today. But during that night on Wednesday night, all night long, I, I knew I was in this fever because I feel it, but I was also sleeping and I was dreaming. And I had a lot of different dreams. And I'll just tell you guys that, that in that state of that fever, physical fever, it, it became almost a spiritual type fever. Where I was tossing and turning. I, and I, I felt myself moaning. I was, and I was even, Candace of course was next to me. And, and I even called her name. And she never, she never responded to me. And I knew I was, I knew verbally I was calling out her name and, and asking for help. And I don't know what I was asking help for, but I, I was calling out her name. And then I just began to call on the name of the Lord. I know y'all probably want your pastor to say that I called on the name of the Lord first, but I didn't. I called on my bride's name. She is my bride. And so she wasn't listening, sleeping well, I guess, you know. And so, but I knew this tossing and turning, and I, I just felt like I was contending the whole night. It just felt like hours upon hours upon hour. 
hers. Um, and then I woke up the next morning out of this content. I was just exhausted. Like, like literally I had been in a, a fist fight for eight hours. And I woke up and it was just a, it was just a new morning for me. It was just a, a new presence, a new freshness of God. And then of course more more attacks came during the day and into Thursday and Friday, you know, personal stuff, family stuff, just different things, things that all you guys, you know, there's nothing special about me. Uh, we all go through different things in our lives, but I, but I want you guys to know you've, you have got to struggle in the Lord and break that fever. You've got to struggle in him. You can't, you, some, a, a person, you can have people in your life and counselors and pastors and people that love you and care about you, but you're not going to get through the storm officially unless it is with the storm killer. And Jesus knows how to put out the storm. He knows how to kill the storm in your life. Will you guys allow him to do that for you right now? No, really. Will you, will you allow him to put out the storm in your life right now. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to receive what God has for you this morning. Father, we know that your plan is perfect. We know that your will is perfect. Your authority is perfect. Your headship as you shepherd us is perfect. Father, you are a shepherd that does not abandon his sheep. You're a shepherd that does not allow the wolves to destroy his sheep. You are a shepherd that is willing and able to be violent in the face of opposition, to be aggressive. Father, there are times when you are aggressive with us. There are times when you are passive with us and you, you take a step back. Father, frankly, there are times when, when, when we're not even sure if you're there. But in our faith and in our trust and in our faithfulness, our dedication, we know, God, that you never abandon us whether we can feel you or not. Father, I petition you right now. I don't tell you. I don't command you. I don't declare to you. I don't decree to you what you should do. I know that you're going to do the best thing. You are sovereign, God, and I am not. So I make the petition right now, Father. I ask of you right now that for every single storm that is represented in this room, that you would either move that storm out of these people's life or you would give them absolute peace, passing all understanding while they are in that storm, Father. Father, we know that you are the peace, that Jesus is the peace, and you can be with us in the storm. Other people can be affected one way, and we can totally be protected. So, Father, we ask of you that right now. We also ask right now before we sing just a few songs and, and end out in a time of worship today, God. We ask, Father, this, this burden, God, this burden for souls, that if there are people in this room today that do not have a relationship with you, that they would start right now. Father, we want, to, we want to tell them how to do that. We want them to know. So, so guys, if that's you today, if you're a person that says, you know what, I'm not even sure if I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm not even sure if I have a relationship with Jesus. I know people have said to me for years, Pastor, it, it makes us feel so good when you bring people up front. It makes us feel so good when we can see people getting saved. And I used to feel the same way. And the one day the Lord rebuked me. 
And he said, Court, this isn't about your numbers. This isn't about the assemblies of God and their numbers. This is about my numbers. This is about what I want to do and what people need to do in accepting my son. So if you're in that category today, I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to fill out a visitor card. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except the begging that I bring to you right now. The begging that says, please do not leave this place without Jesus in your life. If you're here today, you would say, I need to start with Jesus. God knows it, but confirm it with him right now. I want us to pray this prayer together. But I want to tell you, and I know this offends people when I say this, but it is not just about saying words and then you get fire insurance. Salvation is about starting a real intimate relationship with the Son of the Father that died for your sins. This is only the beginning of your walk of relationship and sanctification. When you pray this prayer with faith and you boldly confess that Jesus is now your Lord, that you ask for forgiveness of your sins, that he writes you in the Lamb's book of life. You are starting a relationship, not a religion. I want us to pray this prayer together. For those that already know Jesus, if you will support those today by praying this prayer out loud as well. Let's see some people saved right now. I'm fine with walk out, walking out of here today not knowing if one person or 20 people accepted Jesus. All I care about is people accepting Jesus. Can we pray that prayer together? You may repeat after me, but mean it with all that you are. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and set me free. I am in your presence right now in this place. I give you all of me. I will live for you all of my life. Thank you for saving me. 